So I'm excited this morning um, to introduce to you our final of our um, Stories from the Seats speakers. And if you've not been here these last three weeks, or if you haven't listened very well, let me just say a couple words about why we do this series every year. We happen to believe it's one of the most biblical series that we do here at Orchard. Um, And here's why. In the New Testament, so often what happened in the earliest church services were ordinary followers of Jesus just stood up in front of other ordinary followers of Jesus and gave testimony about how the risen Jesus was alive and active in their lives. And that's what we want to do through this series. We want to have ordinary folks stand up and give testimony to how Jesus has been active and alive in their very ordinary lives. And we also want to be a church that encourages each other to take off our masks and to pull back the curtains and to talk about our very real lives, mistakes we've made, failures we've experienced, really hard times we've walked through, and we want to give honor to God for his goodness. And that's what Holly's going to do in just a couple seconds this morning. We hope this series encourages you as you listen. We hope this series, if God wants to, convicts you in certain ways about your own life journey, and we hope that it gives you hope that no matter what you've been through or what you're going through, there is a God who who wants to be very active and redemptive in your life. These stories of these last three weeks, and there's several others Um, that are on our website that you can listen to. They all come out of this nine-month class that we offer each year at Orchard called The Journey. And if you're interested in exploring this, I think one of our most powerful spiritual growth opportunities, The Journey, you can um, uh, find out more about it at orchardcentral.org. Let me just give this disclaimer. If you sign up for the class and spend time writing your spiritual narrative, it in no way... Uh, means that you have to stand up front and share it, okay? So please don't let that keep you from thinking about um, signing up for this uh, incredible experience. So now, I want to introduce to you uh, a friend of mine, Holly Mathias. Holly is a mom, first of all. Happy Mother's Day. Um, She is a wife. She is a sister. She is a daughter. She is a friend. She is a professional. And she, just like the rest of us, is a flawed follower of Jesus. And she would want me to tell you that she's an ordinary woman with a story about an extraordinary God. And so I want to invite Holly up, and she's going to bravely share with you some of her life story. And I want you to promise me, oh, I'm supposed to bring that up for you. I forgot. I want you to smile at her, okay, and be nice and friendly because it's terrifying to do this, and she has volunteered to do it of her own free will. So I now introduce to you Holly Mathias. Thanks, Alice. Are you good? I'm good. Good morning. 
I was born on October 14, 1980, the first daughter to Cal and Ardell Brody. Four weeks early and a whopping five pounds, one ounce. I joined my big sister Heather, my dad's, and my big brother Dave, my mom's. Some would say that would make them my half-siblings, but growing up and still today, they are just my brother and sister. When I was two, my sister Heidi was born, and two years after that, my sister Lo, the Brody Bunch complete. We lived in Cedar Falls until I was 12. I grew up in a loving home. My mom and dad built my grandma and my great-grandma Nina a home right next door to us, and I spent a lot of time with them. I can still visualize Grandma and Nina sitting at the kitchen table, taking turns reading their Bibles out loud. Almost exactly 30 years ago, on Easter Sunday, we visited Orchard Hill Church for the first time. I was shocked when they did a Hans and Franz skit during the service, like right there. It was so cool. We never went back to our old church. Today, Orchard looks different than it did 30 years ago, but many things haven't changed And I'm thankful for the teaching, the kids' programs, and the people that continue to make Orchard my church home with my own family. I was a daddy's girl growing up. He had a workshop in the basement, and I'd spend time with him watching whatever project he was working on. Someday, I wanted to work at John Deere, just like my dad. As I neared the end of my elementary years, my mom and other Christian moms decided they did not agree with the sex ed in the schools. They pulled us out of the sessions and created their own abstinence curriculum. I went with it, of course, although I was pretty embarrassed by the fuss they made over it. Just before my junior high years, my parents decided to move to Denver. Despite my insistence that I was just going to walk to Cedar Falls every day, I adjusted very quickly. As high school approached, my best friend Tara and I decided to become the baseball managers. It was during that summer of baseball that I fell head over heels for a cute boy named Kyle. Throughout high school, Kyle and I continued to hang out. I honestly don't remember fighting, just breaking up. A lot. One time he told me, I'm sorry, you are just the type of girl I could marry. I have to break up with you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Every time, I vowed I'd never let him back into my life, but somehow we'd always end up together as I simply loved to be around him. My faith life in high school can be described as going through the motions. I went to Orchard every week and attended high school Bible study on Wednesday nights although my favorite part was hot-tubbing with friends afterwards. There was a True Love Waits conference held at Denver, and of course, I signed the cards they handed out, vowing I would wait to have sex until marriage. I don't recall having a meaningful conversation about Jesus or my own personal faith. I mainly just wanted to do the right thing. Despite the good girl image I'd maintained most of my young life, the summer prior to my senior year, everything changed. With Kyle home from college, we spent more and more time together. We camped out, drank often, and let's just say the true love waits cards we had signed were ignored. As my senior year started, I had a suspicion that I may be pregnant, and a test confirmed it. Gut punch. 17 years old, straight A student, good girl, basketball player, 
dreams of going to college in Virginia, was pregnant. I was numb. My life changed in an instant. What about all my plans? The numb feelings quickly turned to fear, guilt, and shame, especially when the time came to tell my parents. My dad was recovering from recent brain surgery at Mayo. I had made the homecoming court at school that week, and my mom wrote me a loving note saying how proud she was of me. Add on top of it all the abstinence teaching they'd led in the past, and oh man, they couldn't have been more unsuspecting. We told my mom first. I was so worried about my dad's recovery that I didn't want to upset him. Kyle blurted it out, and all she said was, Holly, is this true? I could hear the disappointment in her voice. We waited as she told my dad. I was so ashamed to face him. Daddy's little girl was pregnant. But once my dad learned the news, he came to us, got down on the couch next to Kyle and I, and he hugged me tight as I sobbed in his arms. He told me he loved me, he never shamed me, he was full of grace and mercy and unconditional love. All I could think of was the pain and disappointment I had caused my family, yet all I got from him was love. God was so good to me, shown through my own dad's love that night. As a scared teenager, there was nothing more powerful than my parents' love and grace. There were others I cared deeply about, my favorite teacher and my basketball coach that I dreaded telling. But again, I was shown grace and unconditional love from both. My teacher wrote me an uplifting, I believe in you letter that I still have, and my basketball coach gave me my senior goodbye hug, a season too early with tears in his eyes. Great teachers and great coaches leave lasting marks on kids like me, and I'm still thankful for their kindness and words of encouragement. I didn't have a typical senior year as I prepared to be a mom and make room for a baby in my teenage bedroom. Basketball season was especially hard, as I should have been on the team, and when, in the, when they lost in the state championship game, I watched it on TV as I couldn't bring myself to cheer for them in person. I ended up giving birth to our son on prom night. Corinne James arrived on May 2nd, 1999, on my dad's birthday, a grace-filled present for him for years to come. I missed two days of school after giving birth, and four weeks later, I graduated from high school as valedictorian. After my sophomore year at UNI, Kyle and I were married at Orchard with Pastor Ed officiating. We had a simple reception where my brother announced during speeches that he was the only groomsman that I hadn't dated. Thanks, brother. <laughs> it was truly a beautiful day. I guess teenage Kyle was right about me being the kind of girl he could marry. A year later, while living with Kyle's parents, our second son, Kyler Neal, was born. It wasn't the most traditional way to start a family of four, as this time we crammed into Kyle's childhood bedroom, but we were very thankful for their support. I graduated from UNI in 2003, married with two kids. My mom watched the boys for those four years. Sorry. 
So my mom watched the boys for those four years so I could attend school, and I'll always be thankful for her support. I started working in Cedar Rapids shortly after graduation, but the commute from Denver was long and hard. I applied for a position at John Deere, and I got the job. My childhood dream achieved. Life continued to move fast in the early years as we settled into a routine, and Kyle began his coaching career as the JV girls basketball coach in Denver. We went to Orchard every Sunday, and from the outside, we seemed to have it all together. However, being a very young couple with two small boys meant it was also a lonely life. Our peers were in a completely different stage, and I struggled to fit in. I often took it out on Kyle. One night, I sat down and composed a long email stating everything that was wrong and how I wanted to give up and leave. But the Lord stopped me in my tracks. What was I doing? How could I be so blind to all the good? How could I be so selfish, expecting Kyle to be perfect? How would it affect our boys if I gave up on us? God spoke directly to me in my dark office that night, and I just sobbed. I chose us that night and begged God to help me. I wish I could say that everything from that point was easy, but it wasn't. Soon we became pregnant again. I had already picked out a name, and we announced it to our family. But as the midwife put the Doppler on my stomach to listen to the heartbeat for the first time, she couldn't find one. They quickly brought in an ultrasound machine, and the doctor on call was very matter-of-fact. There was no heartbeat, and there was no way the still little peanut on the screen was a healthy 12-week baby. I was devastated. I never thought this could happen to me. Several months later, I found out I was pregnant again. Kyle and I continued to have a roller coaster of a relationship. We often switched between loving each other really well and living like strangers, but we forged on. Thankfully, God protected this pregnancy and our relationship, and on November 10, 2005, our beautiful first daughter, Macy Jo, was born. Nineteen short months later, Miles Wynn peacefully joined our family. The years continued to fly by as we moved again and we built our dream home. Although I had already sold my baby gear twice, thinking we were done, we felt that nudge to have just one more baby. On July 4, 2011, Jaslyn Jane was born, and we were ecstatic. Three boys, two girls, a beautiful, complete family. God was so good. As the spring of 2012 rolled around, Kyle completed his 11th year of assistant coaching. He had switched to coaching boys basketball two years prior as he looked forward to getting to coach his own boys soon. As the season ended, the head varsity coach resigned, leaving an opening. Kyle was a strong candidate to replace him, although it was a tough sell to our school board as they preferred to hire teachers for head positions. After many in the community going to bat for him, they offered him the job and we were thrilled. I had gotten the promotion I had needed to support our family, and we were pretty sure of ourselves, somehow mistakenly thinking that everything we had done was of our own doing. That August, we had a wake-up call. One night, Kyle made some poor decisions that ended with a public intoxication charge. The Denver school superintendent made it clear that Kyle needed to resign as the head basketball coach 
And if not, then she would take it to the school board. Despite the many community members that spoke out on his behalf, the school board voted to fire him. We were devastated. This felt like a death. That night, I shared with Kyle the news I had learned just 24 hours earlier. I was pregnant again. It was the only bright spot in some very dark, sad weeks. Hebrews 12 was a source of comfort for us, and we knew there were some things we needed to reevaluate in our lives. Hebrews 12:11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. That provided hope, and we pressed on, not fully understanding why something Kyle felt destined to do was taken away from him before he got to coach a single game. Eight months later, we welcomed our beautiful sixth child, Kaylin Ann Marie. As we prepared to leave the hospital, I opened the Bible app on my phone to read the verse of the day. What was it? Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Again, being comforted by Hebrews 12 was God speaking directly to us. Kaylin's entire pregnancy had been marked by the absence of basketball coaching, and God let us know that it was going to be all right. Although we still didn't understand it, we were at peace. A year later, the third head basketball coach in three years resigned. Kyle cautiously applied for the job. We had gained new perspective on life and basketball, and Kyle was a man that had continued to get his priorities in order. The support that had stood by him in previous years again showed up, and he was offered the position, humbly restored. Meanwhile, I continued to travel with my job and made six international trips in 18 months. This was getting increasingly difficult as I didn't like to miss life at home. In the fall of 2015, we found out we were pregnant again. I traveled to India just weeks later, and I dreaded future trips with another nursing baby. Pumping breast milk in an airplane bathroom somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean wasn't something I looked forward to repeating. However, a month later, my boss called me out of the blue and said I was being considered for my dream job order fulfillment manager for John Deere Waterloo Works. Soon I was offered the position, something I had always wanted, and no travel. Of course, before I accepted, I had to tell my brand new boss I was pregnant. So awkward, um, but he acted like it was no big deal. I was again overwhelmed by God's goodness. On July 4th, 2016, our second 4th of July baby was born. Trip Allen was so anxious to meet us that he arrived in the hospital elevator. <laughs> yeah. Being baby number seven, I thought I had a pretty decent idea about how to parent, but this kid made me feel like a beginner. He cried a lot. He continues to keep us on our toes, and you'll often find me on Sundays chasing him down the long halls of Orchard. There we all are. 
uh, Curran, our firstborn, remember him, his senior year arrived with much athletic and academic success that made it so fun. It was a year of reflection for me, thinking back to how different my senior year was and how proud I was of him and with the decisions he made. We capped off Curran's graduation with a wonderful celebration. Unfortunately, that fun night ended with a fight between me and my brother. This created a painful separation between me and my sister-in-law. I looked up to her in many ways, and the hurt and pain cut deep. Despite her wanting to meet to reconcile, I stubbornly said no. I felt justified in my anger. That fall, we launched our firstborn off to college at Wartburg, and our busy life continued. Kids' activities, church on Sundays, a full week of work. Life often felt like a big checklist of events and activities. I love much of it, but it was exhausting, and I often felt far from God. But as I grew restless with myself, I watched my husband continue to grow and change. He was reading his Bible more and more. He was getting involved in Bible studies, mission trips, and youth groups. Observing Kyle was inspiring me to grow in my own faith. In the spring of 2018, I took a small step and joined a Bible study with a few Denver women. The women were wonderful, but I left feeling defeated and feeling awful. They were so amazing and so full of the Spirit. Why didn't I feel the same? One night, a dear friend sat with me in my driveway for hours. I was sobbing and telling her how I felt so broken, like a fraud. I rarely allow people to see weakness in me, and it was such a burden lifted to admit my fears and failures. She prayed the most beautiful, heartfelt prayer over me, something I'll always treasure. I took one more step in faith last fall when at the last minute, I signed up for the journey class offered by Orchard. This class honestly changed my life. It deepened my desires to follow Jesus, and it showed me both God's goodness that has been showered over me, as well as the brokenness I was carrying within my own life. Despite that recognition, I still would not allow my stubborn self to mend the broken relationship with my sister-in-law that had now gone on for 18 months. Fast forward to January of this year. We were set to host our Brody family holiday celebration. Just before everyone was supposed to arrive, my sister-in-law texted me and said she would not be coming. I was shocked. While I had grown to accept a new normal, she had not. I was angry, bitter, and still felt justified in my feelings. My husband shared my anger, and we spent the evening just being mad. Kyle decided to call my mom, hoping she would fix things. He was on the phone for quite a while and came back with a completely different perspective. He was calm. He was loving. He told me I needed to meet with my sister-in-law. He pointed out things I was blind to. He said I needed to repent and forgive, and I needed God's help to do so. He was the first person willing to tell me hard things, but I was hurt that it had taken him so long and I didn't sleep well that night. However, the next morning, the verse of the day notification came on my phone. It was 2 Peter 3, 9. 
The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's word is alive, and it was piercing right through me. Suddenly, I couldn't wait to meet with my sister-in-law and reconcile. Sorry. I had a hard time remembering why I was so angry, even though just 24 hours earlier, I was boiling mad. We met that Sunday afternoon, and the reconciliation was more than I could have ever asked for. I had a few people praying for us, and it was a holy time. I was convicted of so much of my own selfishness. I left feeling so thankful that the wall dividing our families was crumbling. What remains is freedom and hope for the future. It's hard for me to think about the time we lost, but I'm deeply grateful to be moving forward together. And now what? As I reflect on my life, I see God's goodness over and over and over. Kyle and I will celebrate 18 years of marriage this summer. Every day I go to a job I love. Kyle just finished his fifth year as the boys' head basketball coach with a growing program, and we have seven beautiful, healthy children. I've seen God continue to bless me despite all the times I've messed up, created self-induced trials and failures in my life, and hurt people I love. I've seen God being so patient and faithful, even when I've spent years going through the motions and not pursuing him with my whole heart. I don't have the adequate words to describe how my heart has changed over the past year, but I'm so thankful to be here today. I know God will continue to work in and through my life if I let him. I have a growing desire to surrender control over to God. I pray that I can listen with obedience, that I can trust his plan, and that I can act on his calling. Amen. <laughs> I didn't. So I told you she was a mom, right? I didn't tell you she was a super mom. <laughs> Thank you, Holly. That was so great. So in the midst of everyone else's story, there's usually something about their story that touches our story. And there were a lot of things in Holly's story that may have touched some of you. So I want to pray for Holly. Thank you again for your courage and your bravery. And um, I just want to pray for all of us who listened to her story as well. So let's pray. God, first of all, thank you for Holly's courage. And thank you for the way your hand is so clearly seen in her story. Thank you also for um, her humility and her willingness to be vulnerable about all aspects of her story, um, especially places where where she made choices she wished she wouldn't have made. And yet you, God, redeemed even those moments and we're so grateful. So I want to pray for any, any of us who've ever experienced an unintended pregnancy or lost a pregnancy. 
I want to pray for parents of teenagers and young adults who watch them make choices we wish they wouldn't make and yet who sweep them up in our arms when they do. I want to pray for young marriages who are struggling like Holly and Kyle felt they were at times. I want to pray for those of us who face loss of a job for all kinds of reasons and deal with unemployment. And I also want to especially take a moment and pray for those of us who are estranged from family members because we've been hurt or because there have been misunderstandings and there's just brokenness there. I, I, I was so touched by Holly's story of repentance and reconciliation uh, with her sister-in-law and um, how God you used your word <coughs> and the encouragement and the conviction of other people's voices uh, to bring that about. And so I pray for all of us today as we celebrate family and in all kinds of ways that, that we may be convicted to make a move toward reconciliation with those we're estranged from. So I ask now, God, that you would continue to bless Holly's life as she surrenders more and more of it to you. I pray that you would make Kyle and Holly's marriage strong and that you would help uh, their children grow into full uh, and joyful followers of Jesus. And again, I just ask, uh, I just ask that your hand would be upon her um, and all of us as we live into this day with as much uh, grace and surrender as we can muster. I pray this all in Jesus' good name, amen.